Before we begin, I wanted to give a huge shout out to Amazon Music for partnering with us on this episode of Three Techies Banter. But you'll hear more about this later on the episode. Let's get right into today's episode. So we are back with another episode of Shorts. And from the feedback we get, I think uh, most people seem to really like it. And I think the truest test of whether you like it or not is when, you know, you hear it and laugh at it yourself. So whenever I have to kind of listen to this just for proofreading, I, I just kind of burst out into laughter. So I, I, I think, you know, I think it's doing a great job of having fun. And I hope you guys feel the same. So having said that, we will jump into the serious, serious world of Nobel Prize laureates. I mean, I don't think you would know this, but in case you do, (laughs) the Nobel Prize for Physics uh, this year was won by three physicists for experimental methods that generate attosecond pulses of light. Okay, to understand electron movement. So basically, it's it's a very very tiny time uh, time phase. Okay, so the attosecond is a subset of a second. So I got very intrigued as to you know what is an attosecond. So I said, let me find this out. So apparently, the number of attoseconds in a second is more than double the number of seconds in the lifespan of the universe. Okay, that's how short that time span. So to put it in perspective, that is the number of seconds in 13.9 billion years is half the number of attoseconds in a second. So I don't know what the big hue and cry about the Nobel Prize is, but this seemed to be very (laughs) intriguing and about why people would even want to know this. But okay, there's the attosecond. And I don't know whether whether our uh, you know to our listeners I must say this that we do shots totally you know uh, unprepared. So I, for me also uh, I, it's it's fun you know. So I had never heard of Atto Seconds. I'm hearing it first time since you mentioned Nobel laureate. So I'll just pick that thread. It happens to be that what I wanted to talk about had something to do with the Nobel laureate. So it's about uh, literature now, right? So, and um, uh, I have been doing this master class of Salman Rushdie. It's a beautiful master class about writing and thoroughly enjoying it. And uh, Rushdie talks a lot about uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, right? And uh, he is a Nobel laureate uh, of the literature, uh, most famous for his magic realism and book about, uh, you know, thousand years, of hundred years of solitude. And he created a fictional place and people and it, uh, you know so the reason i chose books was the so first thing that uh, hit me uh, was that i have thanks to my wife we have a great collection of books and many of them i have not read right so it's it's her collection and uh, there are a couple of books which i always felt you know i i i'm i don't pick books genre specific i read anything uh, but there are books in which when i look at them i think that i'll not like them and when I pick them, it turns out to be, yes, I was right. I will not like reading those books. I will not pick any names here. 
But there are two books that stand out, which I thought that I'll never be able to complete or read through. One of them was actually uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Uh, I I picked it up. I thought, you know, I'll I'll drop it. And it is an amazing book. The the second other book, which totally surprised me, was was Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger. I, I never thought I liked that book, but it was fantastic. So... Uh, what I read about Marquez was that uh, it, it was a very old YouTube clipper that it is second most sold book. Uh, and I, I thought that, no, it can't be, you know, and second to obviously Bible, right? Sold or read. Kind of. So then I did a search in the recent times, current times, and I thought, let me look at which are the top books read all time, right? So, so uh, yes, Gabriel Garcia Marquez is not in top 10. I don't know why that YouTube video said, said so number one is bible number two is quran <laughs> number three uh, it seems is quotation from chairman mao Zedong. and this top three they are on every website so so there is no there is no you know doubt about them being one two and three and obviously bible is i think uh, five billion or something and then quran and then uh, chairman mao Zedong's, mao Zedong's quotations uh, after that, it becomes uh, hazy. The sad part which I felt was that now, if you look at it, you have covered, you know, Christianity, Islam, and then China, right? The big, big country. But somehow in top 10, there is no Indian scripture at all. So we we have the numbers, but somehow there is no Indian uh, scripture or uh, book uh, in top 10. After that, it's a mixed bag. Some, some say it's Don Quixote at four and then harry potter um, is definite so don Gerty, harry potter uh, dan brown are all uh, and lord of rings are all in top 10 in some number so so they are those are the so i think if we make a concerted effort i think we can make a short go with either diamond comics <laughs> or chanda mama or some champak tales or something <laughs> no but you're right i mean population would suggest that one Indian book of some kind would be there, right? Yeah, but no. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so I, coming from books, um, I don't know how many of you, um, do you remember we used to have the good old connect the dots mm-hmm. or join the dots or follow the dots or whatever. So recently, just to de-stress, I picked up one of those uh, join the dots books and it, it's one of those slightly more complicated one where the smallest join the dots uh, thing is about 400 dots okay and, and that kind of got me thinking saying that when did join the dots uh, start right and so it's quite interesting that it's a form of puzzle right join the dots is a form of puzzle which you, you know is about connecting the number dots but did you know that you it goes all the way back to the 19th century? So it's not something new. So the first documented uh, puzzle is called the Nine Dots Puzzle. Okay, And um, in 1907, a chap by the name uh, Sam Lloyd described the Nine Dot Puzzle in an interview with Strand Magazine. The other interesting piece is that in 1926, was the first time that a Join the Dots book got published. Okay. So it took <laughs> about 15, 16 years after the first nine-dot puzzle for a book on Join the Dots 
which got published. So it became a dot-to-dot puzzle or games book and was published by a UK-based publishing house called Wardlock and Company. And I thought it was fascinating that it was always treated as a puzzle. And of course, in the 1900s, Join the Dots used to happen in the newspapers and, you know, for kids to learn and things like that. So from an educational tool to today, a fun, you know, de-stress tool, uh, I think connect the dots or join the dots or follow the dots has come a long way. Uh, so I thought that was a really fascinating piece because I started doing the dots and I was like, hmm, when did this start to discover 19? So I, uh, I had a little, like you've just recorded this AI episode. So uh, I was just reading something, you know, that there's this big race to uh, develop new Turing tests, you know, because now they feel that the old tests are not going. So one day I said that, you know, the best, you know, what would, ha- like a thought experiment, what would happen if you asked uh, uh, any LLM tra- trained on data of the 17th century, that is the earth round? Uh, chances are that the answer would come back, it is flat, because till then people believed it was flat. You know, so it was like, you know, I said, wow, man, this is like, you know, so basically that they were trying to say that, you know, that you need to give uh, computers more consciousness and, you know, to kind of distinguish right from now. But ultimately, if it's trained on that data, it will come back. Whatever else you tell it, it will say that the earth is flat. So I was, I thought, oh, wow, now this is a new one. It was pretty interesting. That, that's interesting. And for that uh, uh, LLM, Galileo would be a terrorist, a mad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, so, it's, it's so weird, right? I mean, so yeah, there's a lot of work going on in trying to figure out. Uh, so there is, in fact, there is some general AI assistant. There's a big framework that's come out. Anyway, that's not a shorts-worthy thing. It's too serious. So in, in fact, the something which is shorts-worthy is the fact that I've discovered a website called mechbroken.com. So what it does, it tracks broken McDonald's ice cream machines all over the US, Canada and parts of Europe. So if you go to that site and you look, it will by area tell you which which machines are working, which are not. Now that is a useful I don't know if you want to know that, but at least if you're looking for ice cream in the US, yes. you'll know if that machine is broken. That is very useful. Wow. Why would I want to know that? Okay. Uh, but sure, not a problem at all. <laughs> when I have delivery systems at home. So with that, we come to another episode of 3 Techies Banter Shorts or the 3 TV Shorts, as we call it. If you have very interesting thoughts or you have things that you would want us to share, we'll be happy to call out your name and share the details that you sent to us in our Shorts episodes. Look forward to hearing from you and hope that you continue to listen to our shows. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Three Techies Banter. Just wanted to say a big thank you to Amazon Music once again for partnering with us on this episode of the podcast. 